This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey everyone, topic number three with Anna Kelly is one that's near and dear to my heart just because what is going on in the environment now and all the kind of chatter by those YouTube entertainers. And that is what's going on with inflation? Do we think about it as experienced investors? Is it our friend? Is it our enemy? Just what is going on? So Anna, when, when I say inflation's going up, does that worry you at all? What do you think? Uh, what's going on? So first of all, this is really complicated, right? Because there's different types of inflation. And that's why when I hear people say we're going to mass inflation or mass deflation, it's like, well, what do you really mean, right? Exactly. So there's two main types of inflation that I think of as an investor, right? The first is what happens to the dollar? Does the value of the dollar go up? Is the dollar inflated? Or does the value of the dollar go down? Is the dollar deflated? The second thing is consumer price index. Essentially, how much is it going to cost us to buy the same goods tomorrow that we're paying something different for today? And one of the things that we consume or buy is real estate, right? So typically, you know, consumer price index goes up, the cost of everything goes up. We have real inflation, then the price of your rents and the price of your properties are going to go up too, right? But what happens with the value of the dollar is that as inflation happens and the cost of goods go up and the cost of everything we buy goes up, sometimes, especially if we've pumped a lot of money into the system like the government has, the value of the dollar and what it can purchase, its purchasing power goes down. So you have monetary deflation Mm -hmm. at the same time that you have consumer cost of goods inflation. And that is is really the question is, is the dollar going to inflate or deflate? Mm -hmm. And is the cost of goods and our real estate and assets going to inflate or deflate? Mm -hmm. And I get a little more scared about the value of the dollar deflating um, than necessarily, you know, normal inflation of the cost of goods over time. Yeah. So let's talk about the second one first, because I think we're definitely in agreement there, right? CPI, consumer price index, food, gas, shelter, you know, all those things, healthcare, all those things that we we have. I think I think that's going up. And, and it, the interesting thing about inflation is you we have kind of two things going on today. One we keep hearing about is kind of supply chain disruption, right? Something yes. that's kind of an unintended consequence of the pandemic is supply chains are disrupted. It first started in automobiles of all things, right? There wasn't enough chips. So there were, there were manufacturing lines that had to slow or in some cases shut down. Then it was computers. Now it's graphic cards and freaking cell phones, right? We, we have a problem in the supply chain that is, it's, it's just a supply problem. And that can have at least momentary inflation. And that's where you hear Janet Yellen saying, don't worry about it. It's short term. Sorry, basically. And that's, I, I think that's wishful thinking, but I at least understand what Janet Yellen is saying. Um, yeah. And then and the cost of a lot of things have gone up significantly because of that supply chain. I mean, oh, yeah. trying Lumber? to get windows 
lumber, appliances, it's, it's very difficult to even get them. And because the demand is so high and the supply is low, it's disrupted, they're, they're getting top dollar. Nothing's on sale anymore. Everything's going up. And so you have like these basket of goods. You'll hear that term thrown out where it's the normal things that we Americans buy all the time, you know, bread and milk and things like that. And then you've got these other things that we really need to keep the economy going. And a lot of it has gone up in price during the pandemic. Yeah. So, you know, there is talk and of course, uh, you know, the powers that be and the Fed think it's going to be short term. Short term for them is probably four quarters or less, meaning windows will be cheaper in a year than they are today or would. I mean, I spent I spent almost 300, 200% on a fence, just like a 40 yard fence, not because labor went up. It was all because the freaking two by fours and pickets went up. Um, so yeah, we're going to see what's going on there. And then there's the things like rent and like asset values, right? There's asset inflation as well. Right. And, you know, you can go back and listen to topic one and two with, with Anna this morning and, you know, they can poke that bubble, right? And one of the ways to do that is higher interest rates because people don't buy on price, they buy on payment. You know, so we, we, you know, we could see, I mean, if rates jump from, let's call it three and a half to six tomorrow, that would impact prices, right? Yeah. We've already seen a 43% decline in, in new house applications in the last month. Yeah. Because rates have ticked up 0.8%. Uh, at the last I checked earlier this week, it was about 0.8% that they had ticked up in the last few months. And so um, it definitely decreases demand when rates go up because people can't afford that same payment to your point. Mm -hmm. So they, they do try to control um, general inflation of real estate and other assets through interest rates for sure. Um, the other thing just to that point is the government wants asset values to go up because the more assets they own that go up in value, the easier it is to sell it to pay down their debt, mm -hmm. right? So when you have an economy right now where the government has literally put trillions of dollars into the system through the CARES Act, they want to be able to pay that debt down with inflated dollars. Mm -hmm. And part of the way that, that they do that is they try, to, they try to inflate the value of the dollar, inflate the value of the assets and the things that they own so they can sell it and pay down their debt at today's dollar with money that buys you more in the future than it did today. And yeah. so the government wants inflation. They do not want a deflated dollar. No question. Despite the fact that they're pumping all this money, there are real fears of that could cause the value of the dollar to deflate significantly. And they've got to play this fine dance to try to get inflation. Their target number is 2%. Hmm. They want to try to get the inflationary effect on the dollar and assets to rise 2%. But if it goes too high, it could also destroy the economy. If it goes too low, you go into deflation, you know, stagnation, deflation, and there's all kinds of other ripple effects. So they've got all these tools in their tool belt to try to control fiscal policy, monetary policy, and try to keep this equilibrium of constantly inflating values mm -hmm. to pay down that debt without letting it go off the rails in either direction. Yeah, it's, I'm glad you brought that up because I read an article yesterday. And again, I'm, I'm not calling for 4% inflation, but that's, this was the example in the article. Basically, if the Fed was successful in getting inflation at 4% for four years, 
that would allow them to pay off roughly 20% of their debt because it just compounds, right? Yeah. Or maybe it was five years. It was probably five years. But again, these, this, is, this is, you know, the government knows they owe a lot of people a lot of stuff. And they, if they can get some inflation and pay it off with, you know, in the future, better with inflation, that's what they want. And again, this whole used to be 2%. Now we're going to take anything up to 3%. I think that's more to keep Wall Street in check. They would, they would probably welcome 4%, at least for a couple of years. You know, they don't want 10% or 12% or anything wacky like that, because that'll destroy the economy. But yeah, they're going to run hot for a couple of years, I think. Yeah. But and then the question becomes, well, what does that mean to us, right? Exactly. To, to, to American citizens and to us that are investors, while the that inflation rate, they're trying to keep at 2%, the reality is that the cost of our services and our goods are much higher than that. So when we talk about the average inflation is 3% per year for real estate or for the cost of goods, the reality is when you look at the things that are most purchased by Americans, real inflation's been four to 5% per year for decades, right? Easy, yeah. And so one of the things as a real estate investor I think about is if, if I'm modeling out my numbers to where I think I'm gonna be in the future, if I think my rents are gonna keep going up and my expenses are gonna stay the same, I'm going to lose money, right? So I'm I'm making sure that every year I'm modeling all my expenses going up 3%. Um, to be really conservative, you could go 4%, but the cost of my insurance and the oh, cost yeah. of my oh, utilities yeah. are they're they're going up 3 or 4% per year, sometimes even more than that, right? And so the cost of providing housing is going to go up 3 or 4%. I need to make sure that I'm able to raise my rents three or 4% a year to keep up with that. And mm -hmm. so as the cost of goods go up and they're inflated and we experience, you know, consumer price index inflation um, and, and the like, I also have to be able to raise my rents to keep up with that. And so we've got to think about at what point can I keep raising rents to keep up with it? If I raise my rents, the value of my property is going to go up. But do we ever reach, reach a place where we just max out affordability all over the country and people cannot pay the rents that we need to, to sustain the growing expenses? So we have to buy right. We have to buy cheap and not pay top dollar in retail for properties that don't have some upside you know, in those rents to be able to keep, up, keep the rents up to keep up with the, the increasing costs that we have. So that's how I think about inflation is a lot. Yeah, when I think about inflation, or at least, you know, trying to talk to new investors, there's really three aspects of it as experienced investors. One happens, what, what happens to our balance sheet, right? Most cases, our debt is fixed, our, our assets will inflate in value. Um, then there's rent, right? Rents, you know, as you said, hopefully are exceed, rents are increasing more than the costs because they are increasing taxes included in that. Yes. And then there's, oh, by the way, we've both said we have a, a fair amount of cash sitting on the sidelines and you have all these people talking about cash, you know, being a bad investment today. And maybe that's true if you're thinking decades into the future, but I'm happy to be sitting on cash today because I see, as we talked about in episode one and two, there may be pain in the very near future. Again, near future in my world's three, four, six quarters. Um, so I'm happy to have cash today. I'm not too worried about losing a couple of pennies to inflation today. Is that fair? It is fair. And, and, and my, my mindset has shifted on this, you know, over the last couple of years, I never wanted my cash sitting there. You know, my <laughs> biggest, my biggest challenge in talking to lenders is, and this is why I don't have a lot of Fannie Mae deals is because they want three to six months reserves for every property that you have. Well, oh, the yeah. more properties you have, that's a lot of money in cash. I'm like, 
why would I keep, you know, six figures in cash when I could use it to buy another property to make me several thousand dollars more a month, right? Mm -hmm. But to the banks, they see liquidity as safety, right? So I didn't like to hold much. I wanted to keep my my money moving because if you sit on cash, it's like putting the money under the mattress, right? And inflation devalues the value of that cash that's sitting under the mattress. But at the same time, we have to weigh what are the risks of not having it, right? And so there's lost opportunity costs if you don't have cash when there, when there is a sale on properties and you can't buy them if you don't have the cash sitting there. Yeah. Um, but also it helps you to keep moving as an investor because lenders trust you more when you have reserves. They will keep lending to you despite you know, changes that might happen in real estate because you, you've shown that you can be principled and keep it and have it in reserves. But it also, it, it truly does bring safety. And, and in the pandemic, when this all started, you know, I had upwards of a thousand plus units. I mean, we've bought a few during that time, but, you know, that's a lot of fear that what if this pandemic goes bad and all these people can't pay? How do I weather it? You weather it by having cash reserves. You know, those that went into forbearance went into forbearance because they didn't have enough operational reserves set aside mm -hmm. to be able to weather this storm that nobody could have anticipated, right? Um, but now that I've gone through this, it's kind of like you go through 08 and 09 and you realize, wow, debt is not good unless mm -hmm. it's you know for cash flowing real estate, right? Um, you learn, and, and I've learned even more through this pandemic that I'm, I'm more comfortable with holding more cash than I've ever been because it's what allowed me to sleep at night through this pandemic yeah, and, and really to be able to not, to, to not lose my shirt. Right. So you, you learn these things with, with experience where, you know, on paper, no, it doesn't make sense. Why would I keep all this cash? But it's an important you know, thing to have as you're available, as you're able to do it. And as you grow as an investor, you know, cash really is um, provides, pr provides safety. Yeah. It, for me, it's that one word, op, or I guess it's two words, opportunity cost. Um, yeah. Because again, lots of things can change. It'll, just think about the three episodes we've done. Interest rates could go up. Lending standards can change. Forbearance and you know, small landlords could be a real problem that maybe we didn't anticipate. Yeah. You know, again, as I kind of chuckled, I think it was episode one, I'm like, wow, I'm kind of excited. Uh, and then <laughs> we talked about here about having the cash position that we have and the experience to look good to a lender. Yeah. Uh, you know, 2021 or maybe 2022 could be a, another bang up year. I, I would, you know, selfishly speaking, I would love another 2010. That, that was my most active year because everything yeah. was on sale. That'd be okay. Yeah. And, you know, just, just circling back to kind of like the rates and, and knowing what could happen with asset values and going up, like, yes, we're kind of at the top of the market, but I had a deal come to me a couple of weeks ago that I was like, Eh, you know, I, I, I might buy it. I might not, you know, they had to hit my price point, right. But rates were half a point lower and I passed on it. I kind of held off now rates are half a point higher. And I'm like, it's still a good deal, but I'm, I, here's the number I'd be willing to pay. But the only reason I'm probably going to go forward with it, if, if we can negotiate it is because I do believe that the value of assets in my area will keep going up and I can lock in this extremely low rate for a long time. So you know, sometimes purchasing decisions that don't look great, you know, in one environment, when, when rates start to change and you see that inflation is coming, they can make an opportunity much, 
better, you know, than what it would have been without that inflation coming in and rates low and, and about to rise. I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the things I harp on is watching the market and learn what's going on. And it, it, the market being not only real estate prices and listings and pendings, and but also lending and standards and, and the overall economy. That's why the daily financial news exists on my channel. And that you, we, I change my mind all the time. What, what, like yeah. one day it's a bad deal. Next day it's like, oh, you know what? I may need to do that one because my <laughs> something has changed. It's just, it's just odd. So I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. Any closing thoughts for these three episodes? Just keep your eyes on the market. You know, real estate is more than just the brick and mortar. You're buying an income stream. You're buying cash flow. You're buying the future, you know, upside on these buildings. And you have to get really educated and start spending some time watching how can, what outside factors impact you know, the value of your properties, the rent and your profitability and these kind of things, interest rates, you know, inflation, they, they will have a real impact on your investing eventually, you know, as you do this long enough. So don't think this is too complicated. I don't need to understand it. Start learning the basics because it should impact, you know, the decisions that you make as an investor. Thank you very much for your time this week. These have been three great episodes. Thanks, Anna. Thank you so much.